So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Oh yeah, what's good Broncos country? Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast, presented by Mile High Huddle. It's time to drop some knowledge. I'm Chad Jensen, Scout Media, CBS Sports Digital. I have a very special guest today to help me break down the latest Denver Broncos happenings. We'll bring him in, introduce him just a minute. First though, understand Huddle Up is not here to just report the news. We're here to give you a deep dive on your favorite team, the Denver Broncos, and we need your help. Take a second and rate the show on iTunes, or if you're on Android, rate the show on Stitcher. If you have time, take a minute and leave a comment. These are two very important things that could really help us. We'd appreciate it. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUp underscore MHH. If you appreciate what we're doing here, retweet the episodes on Twitter and share them on Facebook. Now, this is a MileHighHuddle.com podcast. Now, of course, Mile High Huddle is part of the Scout.com and CBS Sports Digital Network. And one thing that sets Mile High Huddle apart is our premium membership package. We save our best, most in-depth Broncos content for our premium members. And we're all about diving deep for the Broncoholics out there, just like this show. Now, our premium members get 10% off on Broncos tickets and 10% off on Broncos team merchandise through Fanatics. Costs five bucks per month to be a member, and the benefits are legit. You won't miss a single piece of our in-depth Broncos analysis. And you know what? We've had a great influx of new members signing up ever since draft day, and it's just continued to roll on, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Now, lastly, obviously, make sure you're subscribing to Huddle Up on iTunes, and if you're on Android, on Stitcher. The show can also be found on Spreaker, SoundCloud, iHeart, CastBox. It's everywhere. Now, the draft might be in the books, but there's always something to dissect when it comes to the Broncos, and you're not going to want to miss a single episode. And now let's welcome in our guest for today's show. He is the managing editor and Broncos beat writer for 5280sportsnetwork.com. He's the one, he's the only, Jake Marsing. What's good, my friend? Chad, I am happy to be back, happy to be on a show people listen to and enjoy i'm glad to be here talking broncos with you jake you're doing the lord's work he he also hosts a, his own podcast over at 5280 called broncos blitz it's a great show to put into your podcast rotation he and his partner ryan green their most recent episode actually talks about super bowl 50 the super bowl 50 broncos roster and which players maybe from that squad could end up in the ring of fame it's Fun, kind of insightful discussion, so check that out. Now, Jake, what I wanted to bring you on to talk about today, um, on Tuesday, of course, the Broncos, as they, they're marching through OTAs, they rolled out the newly signed guard, Ron Leary, and the third-year guard, Max Garcia, and there were some interesting nuggets to analyze that came from their um, you know, respective remarks. And one of the lead stories, in fact, on milehighhuddle.com on Tuesday was the news that 
um, you know, just as most of us had projected, Ron Larry's taken over at left guard. He's going to play on the left side while Max Garcia steps over to the right side. And real quick before we break this down, Jake, I want to, I want uh, the listeners to hear what Garcia had to say. Um, you know, I said I play right, um, you know, just off the bat, you know, uh, whatever um, you, we have to do to, you know, be more comfortable. Um, you know, it's going to happen where I have to go to the left or he's going to have to go to the right. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. So, um, you know, as long as, you know, either one of us is prepared to, to make that change, it's going to be okay. And um, there, there are a few um, differences. You know, just it, it's just, you know, how you see things, how you see the defenses, uh, your stance right now. You know, it's, it's tricky. I always want to get to my left stance, you know, when I'm, when I'm working in drills. But, you know, just got to remember to work out of that right stance. So, um, I mean, it's not a huge difference, but it is a difference. Now, Jake, this is a good thing in my mind. It's not a shocker, certainly. And even Garcia admitted at the, in his time at the podium that his rookie year, when he impressed a lot of people with his kind of spot performances uh, with the ones on game day, that was at right guard. Now, last year he moved to left guard. He struggled most of the season. And the scheme change from Gary Kubiak's, in my opinion, kind of tired zone system to the new power system under Mike McCoy, where it's man on a man, I think it's really going to help Max Garcia out tremendously. I think it is too. Like, but, but we have to be careful, Chad, as well, to remember that it's not just about changing schemes and moving from side to side. It's also about a comfort factor. Garcia was in that spot all last season. He grew comfortable uh, in that role. Now he's having to go back to a spot that, like you said, he, he impressed during his rookie season. I wonder how uh, how difficult that's going to be. He talked a little bit about that today, about some of the technique challenges mm-hmm. that he's going through, some of the things that he's having to relearn. And he admitted he's not quite as comfortable uh, where he's at this season as opposed to where he's been uh, in his career. I think Garcia's going to have definitely some difficulties at times that it wouldn't shock me if, if those difficulties were noticeable. But there's no doubt in my opinion, that he's going to be better on the right side than he than he has been uh, than he was on the left. I think he's he's fit for that side. I think he's going to work well there. I think he and Ron O'Leary are going to be a really nice pair of guards for this Broncos team. Uh, you know, we'll see how things work themselves out. I thought it was interesting to hear him kind of reiterate what you just said, Chad, which is that uh, he, he talked about this scheme being more being more vertical, as opposed right. to being more yep. horizontal. And being able to get upfield and really, like you said, go man-to-man with a guy. That's something that I think Garcia thrives at. I'm looking forward to seeing him do it. I mean, the guy who I think of when I think of a, a, a guard who played really well in this system was Louis Vasquez when he mm-hmm. was healthy. Yep. Uh, I don't know if Garcia is that kind of guard. I don't know if Ron Leary is that kind of guard. We'll have to find out. But I think that kind of physicality and being a lineman who's able to play with physicality like that is something that those guys are really looking forward to and priding themselves on. Yeah, and you know, with with Garcia, let's face it. I mean, his second year was was less than encouraging, and you look at it, and he's still a young player. He's got a long ways to grow, a lot of room for that growth, but he really has nowhere to go but up. And I think bringing in a guy like Ron Leary to help kind of tutor him through it. 
kind of take him under his wing and and share his knowledge, which they both talked a little bit about on Tuesday, is going to help him a lot. In fact, one of the things I think can really make a difference is the the Broncos' offensive line. You know, talking about being the bullies this year. It's one of the mantras. Uh, and no, I'm not talking about the J word. I'm still not quite ready to start using the J word again. But one of the mantras we've heard out of Dove Valley consistently in 2017 is the the being the bully. And the Broncos want to be the bullies in 2017. And obviously that, that mantra trickles down from John Elway to Vance Joseph to Mike McCoy all the way down to Jeff Davidson and the players. But what does that mean? Here's what Garcia had to say about it really quick. Uh, pretty much not taking crap from anyone. Um, you know, whether it be uh, going against our defense or uh, just going against anybody that lines up next to us, really, you know, just not taking any crap, you know, just going in there and, uh, you know, playing our game and, you know, just kind of running things. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going to, you know, be able to prosper a little bit more, um, you know, just be able to use my physicality a little bit more, be able to do uh, more double teams and um, be able to play a more vertical game instead of, you know, kind of playing uh, horizontally. Now, Jake, we're going to talk about Garrett Bowles here in just a minute, but kind of keeping it to the acquisition of Ron Leary and uh, Menelik Watson, I think the Broncos are going to have the right tools for this power system to really work out. These guys are big, uh, powerful blockers, and if they can be um, the mean physical presence uh, who imposes their will on the opposition, it really could transform the identity of this offense. And it could, frankly, spark a renaissance offensively, whether it's Paxton Lynch, whether it's Trevor Simeon at quarterback. I mean, we saw what C.J. Anderson can do in this system when he went to the Pro Bowl in 2014. He had over 1,000 yards from scrimmage, double-digit touchdowns in the final eight games. And yes, that was technically Adam Gase uh, at the helm, but that system was built on the bones of Mike McCoy's philosophies. And it all starts up front, Jake. With this starting five working as one, and I think imposing their will on the gridiron and being the bullies. Oh, I, I absolutely agree uh, with, with that assessment. My, my only question there is, is their play going to translate to their to their language, the types of terms they're using? Like Metalik Watson, I think, is the biggest question mark among that group of offensive yeah. linemen. Uh, Watson, a guy who's had his career riddled with injuries, and when he has played, frankly, I don't think he's played that well, uh, and yet the Broncos seem committed to him, at least as as an option at starting right tackle, probably having that job day one of camp and then seeing how things develop. We talked about on my pod today that I think you're probably going to see a competition there, and it could be uh, a pretty big competition between you know Watson, Stevenson, maybe even Sam Brylos. Where does Schofield mm-hmm. fit in in all this? Yep. Uh, Connor McGovern, who's been getting reps at center. You know, th- there's a lot of depth all of a sudden on this offensive line that they've got to sort out. Now, is it a, is it great depth? Are they all great players? No. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say, but is it good depth? Yeah, it, it's it's a not a bad problem to have. No. You're not having to force, you know, uh, X guy off the street into your starting offensive line rotation uh, in, in week one, week two, most likely. You'll have guys playing who started for you last year who you can hopefully – get better coaching out of and Jeff Davidson. That's what the Broncos continue to harp on is that their coaching is going to be better. Yep. And and we'll see. I know that Menelik Watson talks with a nasty attitude. He, in his introductory press conference, he said he wanted to you know, mow guys over and wanted to take care of his man. And Ron Leary today talked about 
you know, Jeff, Jeff Davidson coached him like a grown man and wanted yeah. to bring attitude and physicality to the line. And that's all great. I want to see it on the field. And obviously we won't see it until these guys start taking live reps uh, in August in camp, even probably not until really the, the, the preseason when they start going up against actual opponents. But I think there's a good chance that this line could be better there's, in my opinion, Chad, an equally good chance that this line could be just as bad. I mean, we, we talk about Ron Leary being a big improvement. I agree there, but I still have big questions. I have questions about Garrett Bowles. I have questions about what they're going to do at right tackle. Uh, I think this line can be better. It can improve. They definitely have a sense of physicality when, when they, and how they carry themselves, but is that going to translate onto the field? I think only time will tell. Yeah. Uh, in that regard. When I want you to save some of your thoughts on Davidson, because I have a question for you here in just a few minutes, but you bring up a good point. I mean, we don't know. We don't know yet exactly how this offensive line is going to take shape. Again, I believe that they're putting the tools in place, but there's still a lot to be determined. And honestly, for me, one of the big questions is Matt Paradis. Now, to some people, Matt Paradis is sacrosanct. You can't throw any shade his way, and I'm by no stretch of the imagination am I doing that. He's, he has established himself as one of the preeminent centers in the NFL. But let us not forget, at six foot three and 300 pounds, he's done that as a smallish center, quote-unquote, in Gary Kubiak's zone blocking system, where athleticism uh, and, and really the, the, your brain and, and short area quickness plays more of a role than straight-up power. Now Matt Paradis is coming off double hip surgery, uh, which I'm not quite as concerned with. What I'm more concerned with is the fact that he's coming into a system that is going to be it's going to rely on him to not only continue those same duties that he's had, you know, calling out protections and and being kind of that the leader of the O line from the middle, but this is a guy who's going to have to be able to prove whether or not he has the power to blow off the ball and move guys out of the way and open up that hole that is designated pre-snap by the play itself from the A gap or the B gap or whatever it might be. That's my concern with, with um, Matt Paradis, and hopefully it plays out right. And, you know, when you look at his track record and what he's been able to do, he's a pretty savvy player. He's a tough-nosed player. And I honestly, you know, I'm not going to put it past him. I think he's going to be able to get the job done. But I do have concerns about how that's going to play out. Well, I wouldn't put him pa- put it past him either, Chad. Matt Paradis, uh, I don't think people quite get how banged up he was last season the guy didn't practice essentially all year talked to him a couple of times in the locker room about just how much pain he was actually in uh he needed that hip surgery the double hip surgery he had very badly and you know we'll see how it translates he hasn't taken a rep in otas he probably won't take reps until uh training camp maybe even at the earliest the first week of camp it may be a little bit into camp before he actually gets the chance to get on the field and we get a chance to see what you're talking about, which is a great point. How is this guy who's been kind of the anchor of this offensive line, the most reliable piece in the last two seasons, how is he going to translate into a new scheme? But, Chad, he's not the only guy that, that you have that question for. Yep. I mean, I talk about Ty Sambrilo all the time. I don't see how Ty fits in this scheme. Schofield, uh, too. Schofield, too. Uh, I don't see how a lot of these guys who were drafted to be offensive linemen, be athletic, quick-footed, uh, agile offensive linemen in that Gary Kubiak offense. I don't know how they fit into a power scheme. So we'll have to see. I, I have to see exactly how things shape out. I think Matt Paradis, though, based on what I know 
about that guy's work ethic, about mm-hmm. his heart, about everything that he puts into the game of football. I don't put anything past that guy. Uh, I think he has the full capability to play well in this scheme, to learn how to, like you said, use his mind, not just to, to, to play well in that zone blocking scheme, but to use his brain to learn how to adjust, right? Uh, last week, Chris Harris got asked about Champ Bailey. Mm-hmm. And Harris mentioned that, you know, at the end of his career, Champ wasn't really using his athletic gifts anymore. He was using his brain. Technique, I, yep. His technique. And I think Matt Paradis has the ability along the offensive line to use technique to overcome for any athletic or, or physical deficiencies that he has in his game. Uh, and when you talk about making this transition from his yep. own blocking scheme to a more power-oriented offensive attack. We can only hope so, and it's you know we still have many weeks. <clears throat> excuse me, many weeks ahead of us leading up to training camp, and we'll start seeing how it takes shape. But now I want to get to some of what Ron Leary had to say before we get out of here today. But speaking specifically about Jeff Davids and Jake, uh, I want to touch on one last thing Garcia uh, talked about. Now, obviously, O-line coach Jeff Davidson, this is a new face to the Broncos organization, and a lot of the fans don't know a lot about him. But he is one of the most renowned O-line guys in the NFL. He's got a great reputation. He's got a great track record. But what type of coach is he? Here's what Garcia had to say about his initial impressions of Jeff Davidson real quick. I mean, I like him so far. Um, Super hands-on. He's a technician. Uh, That's one thing that I have noticed. Um, You know, we're out there, you know, just uh, just the small little, you know, critiques um, go a long way. So, um, you know, that he emphasizes that, you know, early on. Um, I think it's really going to instill uh, us a great foundation and something to you know build off. Now, Jake, one thing is clear. The Broncos' offensive line uh, lacked discipline at times last year. We saw guys playing um, with lazy technique at times, poor communication across the board, with the exception of, of Matt Paradis. Now, Jake, you're around the building every day. What have your impressions been of Jeff Davidson, and how do you think he's going to impact the 2017 Broncos? We haven't gotten a, a much of a chance to see Jeff Davidson coach yet. We've only actually been out allowed on the field to watch them actually practice twice. But just talking to players, being around them, listening to them talk, and the little bit of time that I've seen him actually work, there's a different attitude there. There's a definitely more disciplined. You get the sense that that there's a mutual respect between player and coach that I don't know if it was there. Uh, if it was there last season uh, with with that regime, yeah. uh, the thing that I like I mentioned earlier, the thing that I go back to is uh, is what Ron Leary said today about Davidson that he that that he does treat us like grown men, mm. that that he respects us, that that we respect him, that he expects us to come to work every day, compete. Those are the things that. I, I don't know if you heard all the time the, the the things that we heard consistently last season about the offensive line, mostly involving you know Rick Dennison and what was his role in developing that unit and Clancy Barone. Clancy, it was a it was a muddled kind of. I think players liked and respected Rico and Clancy, but I think at times guys didn't feel like they were getting. Uh, they were getting the best coaching. Uh, and, and now I really do get the impression that guys are confident in what they're being taught. Um, and they're working in a, in a system with a coach that they respect and like and know that they're getting the best work in that they possibly can. So I really feel like Jeff Davidson is one of those underrated additions 
that the Broncos made uh, this offseason, their coaching staff. For me, it's Musgrave and it's Davidson uh, as the two guys that I really think if the Broncos have somewhat of a resurgence this season, not that you know they, they weren't a decent team last year, but certainly 9-7 and seven isn't up to their standards. Well, the offense was terrible, let's face it. Yeah, I mean, the offense was bad. I was talking to some guys out there today. In the month of December, even, I mean, you can just look at that month. That might be the mm. worst month of offensive football that's ever been played uh, <laughs> in, in at least the history of the Denver Broncos. I mean, it was bad. And that is that's where it all starts foundationally is along that offensive line. And I think players are really responding to Jeff Davidson well. You know, it's funny you bring that up just real quick because a lot of fans would immediately point to 2011 and the Tim Tebow Denver Broncos. But I would remind fans that that 2011 Broncos team was a tough, hard-nosed, Group. I mean, those they ran guys the heck out of the ball. Were, they led the league in rushing. They were tough. They executed well. And yeah, you know, Tebow had that one game on the road where he completed two passes in the entire game. Uh, one of them was a long score to Eric Decker, and you know, so it wasn't like they were setting the world on fire. But they were proficient. They knew where they hung their hat. Denver last year had no idea what in the Sam Hill they were doing down the stretch. So that's a that's a pretty big distinction, I think. They had no offensive identity yeah. last season, and, and that was their issue, right? I think the Broncos counted on going into last year. They counted on their quarterback, whoever it was going to be, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Mark Sanchez. Uh, they wanted that guy to be able to essentially be what Peyton Manning was <laughs> at the end of as last mi- season. As misguided as that notion was. Yeah, but that was the notion sure. that, hey, we just need a guy who's not going to turn the ball over a ton, who's going to manage the game, get us to third down. You know, Hopefully we can convert some on third down, but a guy who's going to get us in the right play, that kind of thing. And that's ultimately what led them to Trevor Simeon. The thing that they forgot is that the guy that they had managing those situations in the playoffs last year is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer <laughs> and is going to have a statue erected of himself in Indianapolis mm-hmm. in October will be a Denver Broncos Maybe even in Denver famer. someday, yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- this guy is one of the all-timers. Yep. Like, he's a top three player, potentially, in the history of the game. Trevor Simeon, in all due respect to Trevor, is not going to be a top three player in the history of the NFL. <laughs> uh, that's just not going to happen. Uh, he led them valiantly at times, but that was a misguided notion from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, that the And I, I wrote about it at the time that the, that the Broncos had, that they could have managed things the same way with Trevor Simeon or Mark Sanchez or whomever as they did with Peyton Manning under center. Yep. Well, and, and there's a couple more things I want to touch on that Ron Leary had to say before we get out of here. But real quick, I just want to throw this out. For those listening to this show, there's a study done by the Interactive Advertising Bureau, Edison Research, that talks about how consumers are highly likely to purchase from podcast sponsors. Over a thousand podcast listeners were polled. Nearly two-thirds, 65% of them, were more willing to consider purchasing products and services they learned about during a podcast. Now, if you're listening to this show as a business owner, you have a product, you have a service you want to get out there, that's some powerful data. And if you'd like to reach the male demographic in particular, ladies, you know we still love you. Your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Feel free to reach out to us at milehighhuddle at gmail.com, and we can talk about it. All right, Jake, now I know you don't have all night, so I want to move on to some of Leary's remarks here. He talked about uh, rookie first-rounder Garrett Bowles on Tuesday, 
And although nothing is given, sure, Bowles is expected by the team to start at left tackle, and it might be an unspoken thing, but that's the expectation. He was picked in the first round. And yes, he's going to have to earn it, but Bowles, as a player, embodies that bully mentality we talked about a few minutes ago that the Broncos are trying to cultivate on the O-line this year. Now here's what Ron Leary had to say about Garrett Bowles specifically coming to Denver. I talked to him a couple of days after we drafted him, just congratulating him, you know, welcoming him to the group. And um, I mean, I mean, he's 25, so he's a grown man. You know, uh, he he talks like a grown man. He approaches the game like a grown man, um, and he wants to play ball. You know, he loves the game, so he's real physical. I know that's what John and uh, Vance were trying to do with the O line, you know, and I think he fits perfectly with that. So, you know, I'm looking forward to getting him in here, having him mess with the guys, and you know, just get get to playing some ball. He approaches the game like a grown man, he says there, Jake. Now, that was the biggest knock on Bowles, ironically, was his age. A 25-year-old rookie, first-rounder, let's, let's face it, that's a rare thing. But to me, that never bothered me, his age, to be frank, because I've studied every game he played in Division One football at Utah last year, and I totally understand why the Broncos fell in love with him, uh, despite some of his flaws. But what are your thoughts on the age issue here uh, with Bowles, Jake, and and as Leary alluded to there, could Bowles' age end up actually being a feather in his cap that helps him more than it hurts him? I think short term it will be, but it's it's I think it's wrong to assume that just because he's older, he's not still going to have a lot of the same issues that rookies in the NFL have. He's going to have to learn how to adjust to the NFL. It is a different lifestyle. It's a different way of living when you play in the in the National Football League. You can ask any of the guys who are on that roster right now about about how much harder it is, about how much more work you have to put in. Yep. And Garrett Bowles comes in at a disadvantage, partly because of the pressure that's going to be placed on him as a first-round draft pick who will start at left tackle for this team. I would be stunned if he didn't. Um and also because of some of the deficiencies that he has on the field uh, and some of the perceived deficiencies that are out there both in his game and kind of in where he is as a person. Uh, Garrett's going to have an uphill climb in some in some way. But, you know, you talk about that that physicality, that mentality of wanting to just beat up the guy in front of you. Mm-hmm. You're right, Chad. That I mean, he personifies it. He is everything that the Broncos were looking for when John Elway has said that they wanted to be nastier. Uh, he, I mean, the quote that he had uh, in his introductory press conference about, you know, I just want to be that, you know, big bad guy who beats people's faces into the dirt. <laughs> that, that That's his, that's his mentality. More like he talked about at the combine being the nasty prick that he can be, right? Yeah. And that's, that's the, the phrase he uses over and over again, being a nasty prick and <laughs> fans, fans love it. Fans yeah. eat it up and we eat it up as media. But, I mean, you've seen it, too. The guy has flaws in his game. Sure. And at the age of 25, you have to wonder if it's going to be harder or easier for him to correct those flaws. I tend to think it might be a little bit harder. And and I think the, the issue that I have with the age thing with Garrett Bowles isn't so much a short-term thing. I think maybe maybe you're right. It could benefit him in the short term because he's more mature. He has a son. He's grown up a lot through his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I worry more long-term for the Broncos when you make an investment of a first round pick that's a guy you hope can be there for you know eight to ten years I mean there are guys on that Broncos roster who have been in the league for three years and aren't 25 yet yep I I mean it's it's a little bit concerning 
when you think about the long-term prospects of what Garrett Bowles can do for this team. If you're looking short-term and you're thinking what was the best short-term solution available for Denver, Bowles was probably the best answer. Certainly in their mind he was. But I have to say, and I've said this before, I talked with teams and people around the league about the interview process that he went through. That scared a lot of teams away from him. The Wonderlick score freaked people out, combined with the interview process. Um, His learning disability. Yes, the learning disability. It it doesn't freak people out, but it's something like, hey, let's take a pause here. Um, Especially when you're going to ask a guy to come in with that kind of pressure on his shoulders as a first-round draft pick. I I think Garrett Bowles can be a good player in the National Football League, a good starting left tackle for the Broncos because of that physicality, because of that mentality, and his athleticism, which is through the roof. But I wonder how the rest of his game is going to transition, especially the mental side of his game. How is he going to make the mental adjustment to the league? Some people I've talked to are very concerned about what about how things will go for him when he faces real adversity, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that he hasn't really faced throughout his college career. Well, it's interesting you bring up the <clears throat> excuse me the mental side of Garrett Bowles because that was another thing that Leary actually talked about in which he complimented uh, Bowles out of the gates. Here's what he said really quick about Bowles making the jump already and kind of the hurdles that every rookie offensive lineman has to overcome initially jumping to the pros. I think the mental part is, I mean, physical, you know, you know, you're going to have to adjust a little bit. You already physical if you play online, you know, it's a little more, it's more physical on the NFL level, you know, because everybody's big and strong, but I think it's the mental aspect of it, you know, um, learn a new playbook, you know, different calls, you know, a lot of it carries over, but everything has a different name. So I think with Tim, it's going to be more just getting into the playbook and learning our offense. And I talked to him, and he's already in the playbook. He impressed me. You know, I said a play, and he knew what the play was right away, so I was impressed with that. So, you know, like I said, I'm looking forward to getting him in here. Now, you bring this up, Jake. It's interesting because, you know, people do throw a little shade Bull's way because of his learning disability, the terrible Wonderlick score. But at least the encouraging aspect so far, I think, that if you're trying to find a silver lining with regard to, you know, his age, we've heard some positives that you can look at it in that way. Um, and his, his uh, let's just say, mental acumen, so far, he doesn't sound like he's resting on any of his laurels, Jake. He's already immersed himself in the playbook. That's got to at least alleviate some concerns, I would think, in the fan base. No, absolutely not. I, I, I don't think that you. Sh- I don't think he is going to rest on his laurels at all. With that, I mean, his story. If you if you've read his background, that that's a guy who's been through a lot and found his way through on the other end, and it's a great story. And that tells me everything I need to know about Garrett Bowles' character at least his heart and his willingness to succeed. The guy's going to do what it takes in terms of work. I don't worry about work ethic with Garrett Bowles. What I worry about is how things are going to go for him when he really starts. When he goes up against Vaughn Miller every day in practice and he starts getting beat in training camp, Vaughn Miller or Shane Ray, when he starts getting in one-on-one pass rush drills and, and when he starts working on hand tech and when he struggles, that's what I want to see. I want to see how things go for him when he really starts to struggle because there will be times this season when he loses battles, when, when Khalil Mack or you know any other pass rusher in the league going up against him, when they eat his lunch. And he's going to be potentially targeted as a rookie left tackle. We've seen it before, depending on what happens at the right side. But I think Garrett Bull's 
is going to have to face adversity. Just talking with people around the league, that scares some people. I want to know how he handles that adversity the first or second time out. Certainly going to be fun to watch and to cover the process as we move forward. He'll be in Denver for rookie camp this week. For starts on May 11th, Thursday, rolls through the 13th, and maybe we can get Jake back on at some point here soon to talk about that. But one last thing, Jake, before we get out of here, I want to touch on that Leary talked about. You know, the Broncos, obviously, we've touched on it a little already today, could not get the running game going in 2016. And, of course, it didn't help that they had lost C.J. Anderson in Week 7 and they had to rely on a rookie who was frankly still recovering from a meniscus tear uh, down the stretch in Devontae Booker. But with the flood of new talent to the O-line so far through free agency, through the draft, the Broncos are obviously resolved to be more efficient on the ground. And it might be more of a pass-happy system that Mike McCoy runs. We've already heard the guys talking about it in that same way. But you still have to have balance. When McCoy calls a running play, the Broncos have to produce up front. And here's what Leary had to say about the O-line working together as a unit specifically to spark that run game. I think the O-line plays a big part in that. You know, you you know, I feel like if we make our blocks, you know, it's not going to always be clean. You know, that's that's football. You know, they get paid too. But um, if we try hard to be perfect, be perfect at our blocks and we got to you know with CJ and um, with Charles coming and with all the other running backs we have you know we'll, they'll make the holes they'll hit the hole real hard you know we just got to be clean on our blocks know our assignments 100% and they'll make us look a lot better than what we really are I believe in that. Now Jake a good running back can make an O-line look better and vice versa we've still yet however to see CJ Anderson play a full season which is one of the big reasons the Broncos signed a Jamal Charles we all, I think, still have reservations about Charles until we see him out on the field cutting and getting after it and see some consistency there. But, Jake, if Charles can stay healthy and if Anderson can avoid injured reserve, the Broncos could end up with one of the best one-two punches at running back in the league. Then you throw in Devontae Booker and maybe D'Angelo Henderson if he makes the squad. It's hard to not get excited about what could be this year in the running game. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of potential in the running game, especially if you can develop Jamal Charles into a weapon. We had a piece up on our site today from my guy Justin Michael about what a great complimentary piece Jamal Charles could be for Mike McCoy's offense, and I think it's a really important important piece. I had the chance to talk with Jamal for the first time a little bit today out at a charity event the Broncos are doing, and he's excited to fit himself into this offense, and he said he's not worried about transitioning into this offense. He's played in five systems, he said, and that he knows he's going to be able to fit. I think that is really exciting for Broncos fans. The question is, are you getting Charles at 100%? Are you getting him at 60%? Yep. If, you get it, if you're getting him at 60% even, I think you're getting a really nice specialty player who can come out of the backfield for you, even catch passes, do some pretty electric things. Mike McCoy will have a nice little toy that he can use, but your every down back, Chad, the guy you're going to have to rely on is going to be CJ Anderson. That hasn't changed. Yep. That's the guy that the Broncos are going to have to count on. And you never, CJ has been best throughout his career when he's been challenged, when he's been either challenged from behind or when he's been part of a complimentary piece of backs, a complimentary picture, when he's been part of a rotation, mm-hmm. even when he's been the second back, in that rotation, that's really when he came out and had that that great season in 2014. Is when he kind of had to work his way through 
uh, we said on the show today that C.J. Anderson carries a chip on his shoulder, right. unlike any player that I've ever been around. He carries that undrafted chip with him everywhere he goes, but there's no doubt that he's got work to do, too. Yep. I mean, he's coming off the, the meniscus. His his weight is going to maybe be an issue. We'll see. It usually uh, is. Each year yeah. he has to work on it. Um, and, you know, I, 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 he's talked to us once. I've seen him a little bit. He doesn't look bad, but I, I don't know if he's in playing shape right now. Uh, we'll we'll see how that turns out. So your two top running backs on this team both have huge injury and physical health question marks yep. connected to them. Uh, it, it, like you said, if they can work out, it's great. If they don't work out and you're stuck with Devontae Booker, D'Angelo Henderson, you know, ex running back off the street, you might be in a little bit of trouble pretty quickly. So the Broncos have, in theory, a really nice running back core, but like everything in the NFL, injury yep. with this unit especially can head, yeah, can send things down a very slippery slope very, very quickly. Because with, with Jamal Charles, we're now talking about a chronic knee issue. Um, so say the Chiefs. The Chiefs medical guys said that, you know, it was – there was there was basically no reason to bring him back. It was it was a chronic thing, and that that's that basically. Yeah, that's and why I think D'Angelo Henderson, even as a sixth round pick, Jake. Um, I mean, our site as the analyst at Mile High Huddle, really high on this guy. But that's another reason, speaking specifically about the health contingency and the medical contingency of the top two guys on the depth chart. That's why I think Henderson has a really really above average chance for a sixth round pick running back to make this roster. I like his tape a lot. Um, I, I like his tape a lot. I had some guys I was interested in at that spot, but they went out and they grabbed Henderson, and I was impressed with him. I hadn't done a lot of work on him pre-draft, but I definitely think he has a chance, just based on the little bit of film I've seen, to to really play a role there. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how he how he comes out in rookie minicamp and all those sorts of things. But at the very least, he could be a guy that, if everybody's healthy going into uh, when it's time to set the 53, he could be a guy that you try and sneak through waivers and stash um, on your practice squad and kind of see where things line up. But I, I think I, I think he's got a chance to succeed, Chad. But again, the question for me is who's going to be your healthy running back? When is CJ able to be 100% full go? When is Jamal Charles able to be 100% full go? And how do those new and how do those two guys complement uh, this new offensive line? How are they able uh, to complement Mike McCoy's offense? Those are, I think, probably, besides the quarterback position, the biggest questions that the Broncos are going to have to answer on offense. How does this running game improve in, uh, it, with this new scheme? How yeah. much does being able to potentially even establish the passing game open things up in the running game? That was something we talked a lot about during the Manning era when Peyton was throwing 55 passing touchdowns that, that guys were able to, to kind of find seams in, in the running game at times. That'll be interesting to see oh, yeah. how things open themselves up for sure. It's going to be a fun year, and uh, we look forward to covering this season for you. And we'll get Jake back on here in the near future, but I think that's about all the time we have for today's episode of Huddle Up. Jake, thanks for joining me, my brother. Keep up the good work over there. I will try to, Chad, if only so that you will invite me back on this show <laughs> from time to time. You can find Jake on Twitter, at Jake D. Marsing. And again, be sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUp underscore MHH. Thousands of you listen to every episode. 
but there's only 300 followers on Twitter. doesn't add up, right? You can find me in the Twitterverse, at Chad N. Jensen and at Mile High Huddle. We love hearing from you, so hit us up, and we'll try to address your questions and concerns on the show as often as we can. And don't forget to subscribe, y'all. For Jake, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you soon. Mile High Huddle. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive. Have you tried the Name Your Price tool yet? It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to find a rate that works for you. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive. Get your quote today at Progressive.com and see why four out of five new auto customers recommend Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.